Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. I'm Paul Catalina alongside former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Scandrick. Cowboys take on the Giants this week. Believe in the Cowboys podcast and all podcasts on the Believe podcast network brought to you by betonline.ag. Football is back. You not, might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. In Orlando, the Cowboys sit at 1-3. and three. The Giants are 0-4. The Giants have been one of the worst teams to watch in the league. They have struggled mightily, but given everything the Cowboys have going on, uh, even with their great offense, this and there's no game in the NFL that's a gimme, is there? No, not at all. <laughs> but um, this would be a good game for them to get back on track. I'm optimistic. Well, I look, I, for, the, I look for the Giants to score some points on that atrocious Cowboys defense. But I think the Cowboys should win. Yeah. Well, and look, the Cowboys defense has an opportunity this week to maybe, like, this is not, they don't have as many weapons, the Giants, as everyone else. Now, their their weapons, you know, will probably score. We saw the third string and fourth string running back for the Browns run right down the middle uh, last week on the Cowboys. So, I mean, they're going to get yards, but maybe this is an opportunity to uh, kind of adjust into the defense a little bit because you're not having to worry about some of the big-time playmakers that were all over the field in the first four games you've seen. Absolutely, but I got an X factor for you here, Paul. Okay. Division game. <laughs> yes, that's that's true. And you've played in a lot of these, Orlando. you played in a lot of these, uh, and uh, there are times where you, you go in and, uh, you know, one team's flying high, the other team's struggling, and it's it's a division game, and it counts just that much more, and the, the lights shine a little brighter, don't they? doesn't really matter in a division game because these players know each other well. These teams know each other well. Um, and then I'm going to go on the limb and say, you know, Garrett has had a lot of these defenders. He's had a lot of these um, offensive players. Um, if anyone knows what they do well, what they struggle at, got a chance to see them day in and day out, week after week, month after month, year after year, it's Garrett. And I mean, I think he's cerebral. Um, got a chip on his shoulder. He's, he was he was technically, I won't say he was fired. His contract wasn't renewed. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a mutual split. I'm sure they decided you know it was time to go in both directions. And then you know. The guys on the Giants, they're looking at the Cowboys and thinking their defense is not there that good. And then the guys on their defense is looking at their offense and thinking this is a chance for us to get on track and show that our our defense isn't that bad. And they've, I mean, they've held some teams that can score some points 
to some low-scoring games. Yeah, they have. I, I look back at that San Francisco game a couple weeks ago for the Giants and think about, you know, San Francisco had the Niners had nobody uh, really, and none of their starters were there, and they still racked up 36. But a lot of that was creating short fields because Daniel Jones has been a turnover machine. Uh, the Giants, just an offense, are, are completely out of sync right now. But again, you mentioned Jason Garrett. That's an X factor. I mean, there are things that he knows that he's he knows pretty much everybody on that on that roster, save for a couple of new guys. So uh, he knows it. He he was there forever. I mean, he he built. He built the team into what it what it was. So uh, as as the head coach, and uh, I I wonder I wonder what that what that does mean X and O wise, like what he tries to do on Sunday uh, that that will try to exploit that you know something that he may know that uh, that that other people don't. I think you stay. I think you stay within the game plan. First things first. Um, I think you come in a week with a good plan, and you just you know you don't let the game get out of control. You try to keep the game within Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is one of those quarterbacks who's developing a habit to be streaky. Um, he's developing a habit that he has tools, but when he's cold, he's ice cold. But when he's hot, you know, he's playing pretty well. Yeah, well, and of course, the big news coming out of, of the star today is that Tyron Smith is out for the rest of the year. Seven-time Pro Bowl left tackle. He's a future Hall of Famer. Uh, they're already without Lyle Collins for the, the rest of the year, so... Now, looking forward, 12 games left in the regular season, the Cowboys will not have uh, two of their best offensive linemen and two guys who are perennial pro bowlers and two of the best at what they do. And that's not just something you you replace that level uh, when they're gone. And now they're going to probably have to do some major shuffling on the line to make sure they have the best five linemen out there. And that might mean moving positions for some guys. Yeah, I'm not a... I'm not an advocate of moving Zach Martin, one of the best guard in the National Football League, to right tackle. I just don't think it makes that much of a difference because you're creating a hole at the right guard position. Um, I, I, that's that's really terrible to hear for Tyron. Yeah, one of the good, best guys to be around, one of the most hard, one of the hardest working guys to be around, one of the best teammates I've ever had. I um, hope he gets well. I hope he's able to bounce back from this. I hope this is not career-threatening. But for the young guys, for Steele, for Knight, it just gives you a chance to, to play. It gives you a chance to develop. It gives you a chance to show that you're a capable starter and, you know, you never know what you can turn into. Uh, my career started off like that as well. I had Terrence Newman, um, perennial pro bowler. He got injured in training camp. I got a chance to get some nickel reps. When Terrence came back, you know, I went to the bench, but when they – and they realized, you know, me and Terrence and Anthony Henry and Pac-Man Jones and Mike Jenkins, we were the best combination of guys. I found my way back on the field. I was my chance to just prove that I belonged, and it helped me boost myself into a 10-year career in Dallas and a 12-year career overall. Is there something to the psychology of it knowing that, like, now, like, nobody's coming back to take my spot? I mean, you know, it's not like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here and, you know, I've got two games and then Tyron's back. It's like... If I do this 12 games, this is my shot for the rest of the year. Is the, does that make it somewhat at least easier mentally knowing that like you, it's not just a, you know, I've got two games to prove this? Not at all. Okay. Um, I think as a professional, you handle yourself as a professional. You, you always, especially on the O-line, you're always one play away. You always got to prepare yourself as if you're going to be in there. Um, these are really, really young guys. Steele's a really, really young guy. And these are valuable reps that he's getting. These is 
basically you can say these first four games were like a preseason type deal for him. And now he's into the regular season, even though we know it's not, but um, I think that you're going to see the Cowboys face some pressure. You're going to see teams start to pressure him, start to get some one-on-ones on these tackles, some one-on-ones on these backup offensive linemen. And, you know, I don't think things are going to get any easier from this point. No, uh, you know, Brandon Knight, I think has played pretty well and uh, you know, he, he's probably going to go in at left tackle. I would think I, he's done well. He, uh, Terrence Steele's had some problems, of course, you know, uh, when you look at some of the guys he's had to face early on, it's Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald and all that. And for an undrafted rookie, yeah, he's, he struggled a little bit and he had food poisoning and that's, that's always, you know, that's always, uh, unlucky when that happens, but they also have Cameron Irving eligible to come off injured reserve this week. Not sure if that's going to happen or not. They've brought in some, some veterans and, you know, Greg Sinat and Jordan Mills and all that, but we'll see how they, they shovel things around. But the Cowboys offensive line was their strength for a long, long time. And we talked about it the other day when we had Clarence Hill on, that's kind of changing in that, you know, Guys are moving in and out. Connor Connor Williams, uh, you know, hasn't performed up to the level that he was drafted yet. Uh, and you know, Travis Frederick's gone. He's retired. Uh, things are different now. It's it's Zach Martin and a bunch of uh, of unproven's really uh, around him. Yeah, you got Joe Looney, a guy that's been there, but as he's far as, he's out now for a couple weeks at least. So oh, yeah, yeah, that is true. Well, you do pretty much got Zach and a bunch of guys that are kind of unknowns. Um, but what do you expect? The Cowboys, they got their, they got old. Yeah. Um, nothing, father time's undefeated. Nothing lasts forever. Um, the domino first fell with Tyron be- becoming banged up. And then you got some issues with Travis, you know, getting sick and missing a year, coming back and deciding that he wants to step away from the game. And then Lyle starts to suffer some issues and getting banged up. Now Tyron's banged up again. Now the guy that stepped in for Travis, Joe Looney, is banged up. So the problem is they've invested a lot of money into that O-line. They've invested a lot of resources into that O-line, and they were expecting that O-line to be their strength. And the fact that they were expecting them to be the strength is why they invested so much resources into Ezekiel Elliott, because they knew he was a great running back, meshed with a great O-line, and they thought they had great years to come. And now you're you're kind of at the crossroads and kind of trying to figure out identity. What are you? What are we going to be from an identity standpoint? Yeah. And what do you do? I mean, what do you do scheme wise, at least in the short term until, you know, you, you kind of really know what you have with this, uh, this five out there on the line. I mean, do you, do you, how do you change up your play calling to protect Dak Prescott to, to, to play to your strengths? Um, you got to just, run your system. You got to expect that your scouting department, um, your front office and your coaches have put great players around you, put talent around you of guys that are capable of performing. Yeah. And you know, um, the Cowboys have, you know, they have been really good at finding undrafted gems or guys in the, in the later rounds. So, uh, just because you lost some of your high draft pick offensive linemen, they've got guys who can play. I've really, I've been impressed with Brandon Knight so far. I know that he, you know, I know that he's not Anthony Munoz or anything, but but really, I, I, I've been very impressed with with him uh, through the, the games that he's played. I think he's played well, but I think that they haven't played any really premier pass rushers from the right end position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's coming I think yeah. throughout the season. You're going to face the Eagles twice and Brandon Graham. Um, 
you're going to face the Washington Redskins, who have a great front seven. They're going to be able to roll out Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan. You're going to face those guys twice. You're still going to face some some other great premier pass rushers throughout the season. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and this week, uh, a, a pretty young uh, defensive line that they're they're going to face: Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, Leonard Williams, who's uh, you know on his second team after he he didn't live up to expectations with the Jets, but but he's there. Uh, this Giants defense actually played pretty well, like you mentioned before. Uh, really, I you know my question is how do that you know can the Cowboys actually get a lead that the Giants can't come back on? You know, can they, the Cowboys jump out to a lead and not have to come back for the first time this year? Can they do that? I think the Giants' defense has played well. Let's talk about them for a second. Yeah. I think they have some of that Patriot pedigree, so I think they're, they're very, very game plan, scheme-oriented. Um, I think that if Dallas is not committed to running the football, I think it'll be tough for them to jump out to a lead. If they want to just throw it around the yard all the time, it's going to leave some opportunities for some mistakes, some sacks, some fumbles. Yeah. Uh, offensively, uh, one of the things, you know, I guess is kind of looming is, um, you know, what's going on with the with Golden Tate and, you know, will he get suspended after the fight with Jalen Ramsey? I would think we already know that it's Friday before the game, think, right? I don't think there's any suspensions coming out. I think the, the week long suspension that usually come out, those usually come out pretty early in the week Monday. Yeah, um, I think he should be all systems to go. Yeah. And uh, and. And look, Darius Slayton uh, has, has proven himself. The Cowboys have, uh, you know, he, he's made some plays on them before. I mean, he's, he's a young guy. Uh, the Giants have Evan Ingram. I think, you know, that's going to be a bad matchup for the Cowboys uh, this week. I, you know, Devontae Freeman is, uh, you know, he's he's trying to, to get back his career with the Giants, stepping in for Saquon Barkley. But as we saw, th- it doesn't really matter who you've been. Like, you've, you've, you've moved the ball on the Cowboys and scored points on them. Yeah, I just believe that it doesn't really matter who you've been or who you've played against. Um, 60 minutes at Cowboys Stadium starting at 12 p.m. Central, and the team that plays the best is the team that's going to win. You would like to think that the Cowboys are going to get back on track and they should be able to handle the Giants in this game, but the games for the Giants that I look at, I looked, I thought they would get handled by the Rams last weekend, and they held their own. A few weekends ago, I thought they'd get handled by the Bears, and they held their own, and they were in that thing till the end. They were in that thing with the Rams until the end. Yeah, uh, so, uh, you know, I don't think if, if this game gets into a, you know, who can score more points-a-thon, you know, like the, then that's the cow. I mean, the Cowboys can do that. I mean, they've, they've proven that week in and week out. That's how it goes. But if the Giants can somehow make the Cowboys play their game, then then this then it's on. I mean, it, it really is. Yeah, I think the Cowboys score a lot of meaningless points. Um, it's really easy to score points when teams play soft and are down. 20 points, 17 points. Um, I look at the Cowboys and I say, God, we're fortunate that we got that onside kick against the Atlanta Falcons because we really should be on four. And I talked about before this podcast started, I talked about breaking the season down into quarters. They lost the first quarter. They're one and three. So if they want to get this thing back on track and they want to have some momentum and have an over 500 record, we're not even going to talk about just getting into the playoffs because that that's a very very attainable goal but if we want to get this thing back on track and we want to have a chance and we want to get rolling we need to start the second quarter of the se- of this season off with a win yeah uh they absolutely and this is this is uh mathematically the worst team they've played you know I, but i don't know what that means compared to them because they're not <laughs> i don't know if they're the best team that anybody else has played 
so far. You know, so, you know, they're one and three. You are, like Bill Parcell said it, you you are, always remember it. You are what your record says you are. They're one and three. They're, absolutely. Absolutely. They are what their record says they are. You know, the, but, but they're, but you, they're, they're a, a Falcons blunder away from being owned for. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's I, I don't I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to take the win against the Falcons, but I don't think that tiebreaker over the Falcons is going to mean anything at the at the end, because I don't think the Falcons will even be in contention. Yeah. I think Dallas has to take this thing one week at a time and just continue to improve and get better and build some momentum. Do you worry about the I mean, we talked about it earlier this week about, you know, the, some of the, the guys on Twitter, they're kind of lashing out or, or, or doing those things. The the psychology of the locker room right now and that. There's a little bit of stress because they 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 you mentioned they lost the first quarter of the season. I've seen some ridiculous things. I've seen it starting off with Everson Griffin defending his play via Twitter. Um, I've seen Demarcus, you know, making a public statement and defending his play via Instagram or Twitter. And then I watched an interview from Xavier Woods, and it was, it disturbed me. And just knowing Zay, as I know him, I know he plays hard. I know what type of player he is, but I don't know why the hell anyone would say. As NFL players, we're not expected to play hard for 70 plays. That That's not the culture that Rob Marinelli brought those guys up with. Um, it's not the culture that I know Iberflus brought those guys up with. It's definitely not the culture of Chris Richard. I think you play as hard as you can. And if you need a, t- a break, you tap out for a play. But you don't say, oh, I'm just going to stay out here and I'm going to give lackluster effort for a play. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I saw that too. And that was... And so there's just some of the things they're saying are just so bizarre. And uh, I, I mean, look, and I don't know if Mike McCarthy, like if that, like it's too early to say that's a bad hire, but it's not going well for him right now. Like he's got to, he's got to rein uh, some things in. I, I just don't, I mean, this is, this is not the Green Bay Packers, a totally different market. And you do not have Aaron Rodgers. You do not have Brett Favre. Um, the Packers culture is just amazing. And when I say it's amazing, it's because they're in a smaller city. They're in a smaller market, even though the Green Bay Packers are an incredible franchise. Just the way that they run their franchise is totally different. Um, They're not a team, and especially not when McCarthy was there. They were not a team that went out and got free agents. They were all homegrown talent. So the culture that was set before those guys is a culture that was kind of embedded in those guys. Now you're looking at these guys in Dallas. Everson Griffin's come from somewhere else. Amari Cooper was traded from somewhere else. Um, CD Lamb is coming in and he's seeing this new culture. Uh, you look at some of these guys on the O line; they're from other places. Alden Smith's from somewhere else. Don Terry Poe's from somewhere else. Joe Thomas he started off in Dallas, but then he kind of got brought up in the Green Bay culture. Diggs is from somewhere else. He's a rookie. He's learning this new culture. He's crossbreeding that with what he learned in with Saban and what he's learned now. You get Worley, a guy that's been a few different places, so somewhere else. Darian Thompson, a guy that was drafted by the Giants. It was somewhere else. It's a, it's definitely like a crossbreed of culture. And I think I would love to see McCarthy just rein these things in and set his culture and what he wants it to be. And, you know, even if you feel like you're not going to be able to play hard, 70 plays a game, these are things that need to stay in-house. Um, you don't need to give people on the outside a chance to pick at what's on the inside. Um, I, I truly believe that a house is not broken down from the outside. It's broken from the inside out. And I think that there's some things that these guys need to get under the control from the inside out. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing I have noticed, and you mentioned about on Monday about the culture of Jason Garrett, is outside of, you know, a couple times where maybe people got a little emotional under Jason Garrett, you know, because things happen. It's an intense game. But the message was pretty, if you went, 
you know, if I went to all 53 lockers and asked somebody a, the same question, I would pretty much get a similar answer from all 53 when Jason Garrett was there because there was a pretty unified message. Yeah, I, I don't get it, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know if from defensively from I don't I, I don't know Mike Nolan enough, but I don't know like his mindset. I don't know if he has what type of mindset he has. You look around the league and you think of some of these defensive minds, you know what Bill Belichick's all about, his way or the highway. Um, you look around, you look at Greg Williams, you know he's got he's he's aggressive, you know, you know how you know everything that's happened with Greg Williams. You look down and you look at the way that the Saints play and the way Dennis Allen and you know everybody knows about Sean Payton. Parcells background, structure, guy that wants things done, meticulous. Then, you know, let's just go and look at some of these other guys. You go look at Chicago, good defense, really, really good defense, was led by Fangio. Now it's being led by Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano, a guy that has roots from the Ravens. And then you come and you look at Jack Del Rio, what they've done with with how Washington, I think they've played decent, above average on defense. Jack Del Rio, big-time defensive background, um, USC guy, played in the league himself, head coach at Jacksonville, tough-nosed guy. And then you come and you look at McCarthy, offensive-minded guy, and you look at Mike Nolan. What is Mike Nolan? What's his background? I mean, you know, the, here's what most people know about him is that he was uh, unsuccessful in his stint as head coach in, with the 49ers. You know, he, I mean, his dad was a, was a coach for a long time, uh, coach under Landry, but that's not, has nothing to do with him. It's just that, you know, he's a three, four guy. That's what I know about him. Really? You know, he's had some success, but you know, really. Well, what, has, is a, what is a three, four guy? You just initially just told me, I, I named about like what type of structure these guys come from, what yeah. type of like demeanor they have. And then you basically just defend him by saying, and I'm not attacking you. I'm just kind of putting it out there and putting it in perspective for our listeners. You just defended me and telling me what type of front he runs. Yeah, that's all. Well, that's all I know. I'm just saying, like, yeah, that's all I know about him. Really, that's all I know. And yeah, yeah, and so it's kind of it just reiterates your point. Is like we don't really know, uh, you know, what he what he is. I mean, that, that that's I, I gave you a brief resume. Like, if you were to thumbnail it, that's that's basically what it is. And uh, you know, I've 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 thought, and the one thing I wonder, and we talked about the personnel about that. Like, I I don't know why you don't. Like start out with I know you want to run your scheme, but like you've got the you have to you have to maximize what you have on the roster. So if you've got guys that are not you know uh, good at standing up on you know and blitzing, then then build some stuff in that is to their strength, and then start peppering your stuff in later on to mix it up. But I don't. That's that's you have to have an identity. Yeah, like yeah, that's a recipe for no identity. Mm-hmm. And the realism of the situation is. You're only really in your odd front, which is your three, four front on running downs. Mm-hmm. But when these teams get you a nickel, you see they're four man fronts. Mm-hmm. These guys just aren't getting to the passer. You're asking them to two gap half the game, rush half the game, uh, and and you didn't have any training camp. You had, you mean sorry, you didn't have any OTAs. You didn't have any off season training. You had a very very compact training camp where it had a bit of a bit of conditioning. Then you had some walkthroughs leading up to some practices, to some scrimmages, and then boom, you're right into week one. Yeah, and again, they don't they don't have any like any identity. They also just not play like even if they had some sort of that. They're not playing well. I mean, the, the guys are not. You mentioned they're not getting to the passer. I don't know if you know. Does that have anything to do with scheme? If you're just not getting back there, isn't that just you're not playing well? I don't even. Who are their interior rushers? Yeah, I mean, you know, you you got 
I mean, the, the, the rotation is Antoine Woods and Don never, Terry Poe and, two guys and never Tristan Hill. Get, two guys, three guys never known to be able to get to the passer and Tyron Crawford. Tyron yeah. Crawford's probably your, your, out of that, that, those four, your best interior rusher. Mm-hmm. So then you got Alden Smith, you know, who's, who's done a above average job. And you got DeMarcus, who's just, for whatever reason, not getting to the passer. The ability is there. The ability is there. Then you got Everson Griffin, a guy, you know, who's got to the passer in the past, but he's just not, he's not getting there now. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, there, there are so many questions about, about the defense. Uh, I want to go back, uh, you know, uh, to something you mentioned about the culture in Green Bay compared to the culture in Dallas. Randall Cobb said something like his first media availability last year at the star and, you know, all these people are gathered around him at his locker. And he said this was about the same amount of people that would come for like the NFC championship game in Green Bay. Like in the during the week, you know, they've got this little slice of things. So for even Mike McCarthy, that has to be different because you know you that's have a cult- you know that's not culture though. That's yeah. not culture. That's just the franchise. That's the franchise. That's the market you're in. You're in a great football market. You're in a top top American sports franchise, Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. that, that the media has nothing to do with the culture. The media does not set the culture. It goes back to things are built inside, not outside. And just in Green Bay, what did these players have to do during the week? Probably nothing. You drive to Milwaukee on the weekends, I guess. And now here you got, you got all these guys living under basically a bubble. They're not able to go out. They're not able to do things freely, but you know, people are still probably doing things as they see fit, as they please. And it's just you look at it from a like a again a cultural standpoint, like a holding each other accountable standpoint. Like you have, it seems like in Dallas you have so many Chiefs and not enough Indians. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. And and again, I don't know, you know, I don't know how you do that, how you change that, you know, in the short term. Like it seems like that's more of a long term build. But you have games week to week, so you gotta you gotta figure it out. Absolutely, and I think. I think that was something that you could have, from a cultural standpoint and a, a team bonding standpoint, that was something that could have taken place in OTAs and offseason training, but you didn't have it. Yeah, and it's, it's hard. You can't – I know that they had some – like, I don't know if they did Zoom things like colleges did. I'm sure they had some of that, but really the NFL rules are, are such that this is the time that you can be together and do these things. And uh, and if you if you miss that, then it's not coming back. And it's not like you can really do that on Zoom you know, you know, build that culture. Team building takes time. I mean, yeah. it takes time. You have to, the, the, the captain of the ship and Mike McCarthy, he has to have a strong, stern voice. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if he has that. He was never a guy known for a strong, stern voice. He had a falling out with Aaron Rodgers. He ended up losing his job, you know, and we know who, who's running, who's running the, the ship when, in Green Bay. You know, it was Ted Thompson, the GM, you know, it was either one of their quarterbacks. That was their identity. That was their face of their franchise. Yeah. And well, and look, and it probably doesn't look great for Mike McCarthy at all that the Packers haven't lost much since he left. Matt LaFleur has done a great job and in uh, adjusting to whatever was going on. And everybody was scared about, you know, like, hey, can Matt LaFleur handle Aaron Rodgers and all this? And I know that uh, I mean, I, I don't, you know. I don't know a whole lot about Aaron Rodgers off the field, but I do know that like there are guys that, you know, have left that like don't like him at all. But again, it's working right now. I, you know, it, I, I haven't heard of many guys that don't like him. I know the offensive guys love him. You listen to Greg Jennings, they defend him. You listen to James Jones, they defend him. 
listen to Jordy Nelson. He loves him. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, he's with those natural born leaders and those tier one type talents. You, you always have some, you're going to have some negatives, but I mean, he's a winner. He's a proven winner. Yeah. But what I will look back into Mike McCarthy had a hard time replacing Dom Capers and their defense was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, and here he is again, starting out in Dallas and horrible defense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I like, I, I don't want to say it's a pattern, but if, if I was if I was leaning towards just, finding a pattern, I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say Mike Nolan was a bad hire. Yeah, I think so. I like I I think and I don't know if it's and I, like we might not know if it's anything to do with him, but like it just does not fit what's going on there. Like nothing yeah. fits. Like it just a, doesn't fit the just, roster. Just, doesn't fit the you know they couldn't make let's it. Be, let's just be respectful and say bad hire. Yeah, it's a bad hire. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a bad hire, and yeah. sometimes that happens. Like it just happens. It's not a fit. The, the, the players aren't a fit. Like, all that, it's just not a fit. And they're probably going to have to go and find another defensive coordinator next year. And and But the issue is you've drafted some three, four players. Yeah. So you're probably going to have to make stick with that transition to a three, four. But I think you're going to need to get a new coordinator, a new voice that can implement his style of football, his structure. Yeah. Well, um, the most successful they've ever been under three, four is, is, is with Wade. And I don't think that's going to happen. So, I mean, they've had they've had some 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 good defense. They had some good defenses. Parcells too. Parcells. Yeah, Parcells and Wade. I mean, that was a pretty good transition there. You know, like the defense didn't didn't drop off the first couple of years with Wade. And 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 the defense was not bad under Rob Ryan. Rob just did a bunch of things. So once you missed, once you had an injury, or once you had a starter out, or once you had a nick or a bang, you're asking a backup to be to play in a very very complex scheme. And I think that they seen that and they said, okay what are we going to do to protect ourselves against injuries? And then they went to Kiffin and they're like, okay, this is a scheme that, you know, it's simplistic guys just got to play hard. The effort takes care of the, the lack of schematics. And that's why they ended up having him. And then, you know, his voice, they moved him into a different role. And then they went in the rod and then started to have some success under Rob Marinelli and Eberflus. And then, as you know, Eberflus became a hot commodity because of the success. So he moved on and, you know, you see what the Colts are doing right now. And then you you brought in Chris Richard, and he had some success, and then the Cowboys were a top-10 defense with him. And then, you know, for whatever reason, if you removed and replaced him, a guy that was running a top-10 to top-15 defense, I don't know how you keep Mike Nolan. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, the, the really issue with the Cowboys is they, are not, they have not created turnovers for the last few years. And they wanted – I guess they thought that maybe this defense will create some turnovers, but – uh, they've gone from top 10 to the worst. So, obviously, they didn't make the right decision. Absolutely. You know, like, it, <laughs> that, like you don't need to say anything other than that. Like, the defense was was really not the problem at all last year, other than they gave the offense a lot of long fields to go on. So, if you changed a little bit of the offensive philosophy to maybe cope with that, the defense might have still been fine. I just think that they need to play good complementary football. I need to find mm-hmm. a way for the offense to complement the defense, for the defense to complement the offense, and for their special teams to, you know, what we call we fence because it's a combination of offense and defense mm-hmm. for them to complement both sides. And then those are the good football teams. Those are the teams that win championships. All right, so against the Giants this week, Orlando, uh, I, I think this should should be a win for the Cowboys. I think this, this could be a little bit of a get-right game if we've seen the Giants we've seen the last couple of weeks. But, again, nobody should take this as a, oh, well, uh, finally, they're playing a team that's not very good because they're not very good either. 
So anything can happen on Sunday. Yeah, but I would see the Cowboys get back on track. Dallas yeah. Cowboys are have a history of beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah. Absolutely. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. I'm Paul Catalina. He's former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Scandrick on the Believe Entertainment Network, the network for professional podcasters. Please like and subscribe us wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again on Monday with a recap of the Giants game. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.